0: I'm Robert Colangelo, and this is Green Sense, where we bring you eco-innovations that are changing your world. As the climate changes, places are getting hotter, increasing the need for air conditioning in the built environment, stressing the electrical grid. Traditional air conditioners exhaust heat, impacting the climate, creating a vicious circle. Is there a sustainable, cost-effective way to cool indoor environments? My guest this week is Senza Kazadi, president of Kazadi Enterprises a startup that is reducing the cost and environmental impact of commercial refrigeration and water purification through innovation. Sansa, welcome to GreenSense. Thank you for having me. Well, you have a very interesting story, so uh, we look forward to digging in it into it. So let's get into your background first. You have a PhD from Caltech in computation and neural systems. I think everybody's got one of those. And uh, you're a former innovator uh And Orsi Fellow, what is an O-R-I-S-E Fellow at Argonne National Labs?
1: (laughs) Yeah, so uh, an O-R-I-S-E Fellow. So the program that that you're referencing is called Chain Reaction Innovations. It's a lab-embedded entrepreneurship program at uh, Argonne National Laboratory. And so basically what it does is it provides innovators with two years of salary and support and also... um, support on-premise on, on premise to use the tools that are available at Argonne, which are fairly unique. You can't find them basically anywhere else, or there are only a couple of places on Earth where you can find them. And it allows us to take a technology that we've developed and de-risk it so that we can bring it out into, into the market.
0: And what led you to go from concept with your current company to uh, start th- this company that's focusing on water purification and, and climate control?
1: Yeah, so so my mom actually moved to the Democratic Republic of Congo in 1999, and eventually she moved into a a house in an unincorporated part of Kinshasa, um, which is the capital city of the Democratic Republic of Congo. That part of uh, Kinshasa had no services, so no running water, no electricity, no gas, and not even paved roads. And so her house was made of concrete and and uh, steel roofs. And so it's an oven. It when it's 100 degrees outside, the house can be 20 degrees hotter. And so it's 120 inside. So you can imagine, I was pretty worried that she would overheat in that house. And I started thinking about how can I get her you know, basics like electricity and also cooling. Um, at the same time, I was running a different company, which was a research lab in uh, Los Angeles. And I was working on ideas for uh, moving water around and 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 creating air conditioners and refrigeration. And so these two things came together and I started thinking, oh, I think I can create a refrigeration system, a cooling system that doesn't use electricity and doesn't use conventional refrigerants. And that's a system that could be built and maintained in developing countries like the Democratic Republic of Congo. So that's that's what led to the research and eventually led to this company.
0: Well, your website shows that environmental thermal energy is free and nearly universal energy source. And in layman terms, give us a simple explanation of what that really means.
1: Right. So we've developed a technology which allows you to access environmental thermal energy. So that's the heat in the air and use that as an energy source for a variety of applications. So the applications that we have worked on and are working on include uh, heating and cooling so think you know uh, water heating or refrigeration and eventually space heating and and air conditioning and also water purification and we do have a a small prototype uh, electric generator which will essentially take this thermal energy and transform it into electrical power
0: so let's talk uh, first uh, in this interview today about refrigeration then we'll get into water filtration so uh, tell us a little bit about the process that you developed in patent that allows you to uh, build refrigeration equipment that taps into this thermal energy source.
1: Absolutely. So there are, there are two steps to our technology. Um, the first step is the cooling step. And to make the cooling work, you essentially take water, a pool of water, and combine it with a pool of salt water. And our system does this by vaporizing that water and having that vapor condense into the salt water which carries away away what's called the heat of vaporization. So when water evaporates, just like when you sweat, and then the sweat evaporates from your body, your body cools off. So does the water when it evaporates water. And so you end up with this very cool reservoir, which can then be used to uh, generate a refrigeration effect inside of a closed chamber. That heat is then taken out of the system and put out into the environment. So that's step one. And then step two involves taking that salt solution. Once it's absorbed all that water, it becomes dilute if you can't use it anymore. And so you pull it out of that first device, which does the refrigeration, and put it in a second device. And because it is a salt solution, we can evaporate the water off of it using environmental heat. So environmental heat in the air literally comes and pushes the water out of the salt solution. That makes it concentrated again, and we can put it back in the first device and use it again.
0: Sounds remarkably simple and uh, sounds very sustainable. So let's get into the the facts and how it works in, in application. Uh, do you have any of these systems in commercial operation?
1: No, we don't have commercially operating systems yet, but we do have prototypes and what we're doing right now. So we were working on water purification for a long time. That was our focus um, in the humanitarian space. Um, we decided to pivot to refrigeration because we couldn't find a way to get into uh, water purification at the scale we're at um, in the United States. And so we decided that we would, we would go into it in another direction. So right now we're taking that same technology that we were using for water pur- purification and then redesigning it for, uh, for cooling. And we expect to have a working cooler uh, based on a commercial device from one of our partners in operation within the next two months or so.
0: And just walk us through, if we had a commercial application, how would that work?
1: Right. Where so would you
0: who, Where would you hook it up? What is the range of cooling you can get, and what would be the cost to operate it?
1: Yeah, so so what we're aiming our products at right now is the re- the retail grocery market. And what we intend to do is to replace the retail grocer's existing refrigerators with our refrigerators. So why would they wanna do that? The answer is that it'll use up to 90% less electricity than what they're doing today. And if you translate that to kind of dollars and cents and percentage of, of profits, that means that they can not pay for 90% of that electricity for refrigeration, which can increase their profits by as much as 60%. Now, in terms of running the device, every refriger- every uh, sorry grocer would have their own energy extraction unit, sitting outside of their grocery store and this would pull energy out of the air and make it possible for them to run their refrigerators and the value is not just that it'll be cheaper to run their systems by a lot but also it'll be more resilient and it'll have almost no carbon impact
0: yeah that's pretty fantastic Uh, what is the temperature range and the relative humidity range that i can address
1: so um the refrigeration should work as well as a conventional refrigerator. So it'll bring the refrigerator down to about 5 degrees Celsius. In terms of our ability to extract that energy from the air, we should be able to do that easily down to freezing. Um, and, uh, and with some tweaks, which we haven't resolved yet and we're still working on, we'll be able to get below freezing. So think you know, 10 to 20 degrees below zero, we'll still be able to pull that energy out of the air.
0: That's pretty effective. What about relative humidity? Does it address that at all?
1: Relative humidity doesn't affect the refrigeration process itself at all because that part is hermetically sealed. In terms of doing the energy extraction, the humidity, in fact, will will affect our our uh, ability to evaporate into the air. And so, uh, but we're developing our ref- re- what we call a regenerator so that it'll be a minor effect. Uh, just simply because the operating temperatures of the regenerator are high enough that the relative humidity of atmospheric air is going to be pretty low.
0: Will this work in all climates, you know, specifically southern climates where you have those high humidities, uh, which may impact evaporation?
1: Yeah, it'll work in the southern climates better than the northern climates, uh, except, you know, you know, in winter. In summer, it'll work fine in northern climates. Um, so remember that this was designed to work originally for my mom's house yeah. <laughs> in the Democratic Republic of Congo, which is which for half of the year is really hot and humid, and for the other half is pretty dry.
0: Well, according to Grandview Research, a market research company, the global HVAC system market size was valued at 136.3 billion in 2021, and it's projected to expand at a combined combined annual growth rate of 6.3%. Up until 2030 that's pretty sizable and this is a very competitive marketplace with some very big players including carrier emerson johnson control samsung train and daikon Uh, how were you able uh, to beat out these established well-capitalized competitors to develop and patent this new technology
1: yeah so like where you see competitors i see partners um, <laughs> we are, we are a technology.
0: Every team. challenge is an opportunity. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. You know, I mean, everybody needs to change to a refrigeration and cooling system, like a HBA system that is more sustainable. That's just a fact. And one of the things that we've never done is we've never built these systems based on the most available energy on the planet, which is environmental heat. I think that Given the benefits of this technology, once we've flushed everything out completely, these companies will say, hey, you know what? It works for us to produce these te- this technology ourselves, and they'll be open to coming up with licensing agreements uh, to use this technology.
0: Yeah, that sounds very promising. Uh, It it sounds almost too good to be true. So I I can't wait to see it on the marketplace. So let's dive into the water end. Uh, How does the process work to purify water?
1: So remember I told you in stage one, we create a cold side and a warm side, right? So what we're doing is we've developed a distillation process, which uses this cold and warm side, which is, which is, uh, which is maintained kind of actively as long as this thing is sealed um, to drive to drive a distiller. And so generally speaking, distillation is the absolute worst way from an energy perspective to clean water. You want to use a filter because it uses a lot less energy to push the water through a filter. But if the energy is freely coming out of the air, then that flips the whole script. All of a sudden, you're not limited by energy anymore. And this actually becomes a really, really useful way of of cleaning water. And the other piece is that we've, the, the device that we've developed is what we call a single multi-stage distiller. Uh, multi-stage distillers, which have been around for decades, um, basically use the same energy multiple times to distill water. So you might use it up to 26 times. You get 26 times as much water out as you would if you were just distilling it through one stage. Our system is designed to essentially do the same thing, and so uh, the energy is reused multiple times um, in a single stage, uh, a clever way of making the energy go around the same system multiple times. So, yeah.
0: Are you at a prototype stage or have you commercialized this?
1: We have not commercialized it, but we have built multiple, we're not at the prototype stage either, We're we were kind of kind of in between. We're going from the prototype to a production prototype. But as I said earlier, we kind of paused that work because we decided to go into refrigeration as our first market.
0: Did you? Were you ever involved as a member with M Hub?
1: Yeah, I, I'm. So I've just completed the first stage of their Climate Tech Accelerator, and um, that's one of the reasons why it's easier for me to speak about this in a way that's comprehensible to people uh, who don't have a science background.
0: <laughs> yeah. Accelerator programs are great, great to get your thoughts, uh, concise and pithy. Yeah. Uh, so we appreciate that. And we just interviewed an uh, oh, a couple weeks ago on the show, uh, just a fascinating facility. Uh, tell us about your experience, uh, as a member and going through their accelerator program, what that was like.
1: So I will start out by saying it is a fantastic program, I really recommend people apply if they have the opportunity uh, to apply to it. Um, The program is basically aimed initially about helping you figure out your product market fit. Um, And so it helps you kind of think through who is the customer for your technology? And how do you talk to those people? And eventually, what they, what they work on a lot in that program is not only the nuts and bolts of the business, but also how do you go out and approach investors who might be interested in joining your journey? And, um, how do you present that in a way which is comprehensible to people who are not scientists? And how do you keep their eyes from glazing over when you start talking? (laughs) So, um,
0: and also I visited the uh, facility and they have over 200,000 square feet of equipment. It must be just a, a dream as an entrepreneur building prototypes to have access to that equipment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I have uh, a working machine shop uh, that I brought with me from my, uh, my last job, but uh, they have like a $5 million maker <laughs> space. It is awesome and is always getting better. So yeah, it's really fun to, to be there and to be able to build stuff there.
0: So as a smart guy with a startup that has lots of good ideas here, what's your biggest challenge of getting to profitability?
1: Well, um, one of the things that, um, that is always true for entrepreneurs is that you're always kind of worried about where your next, um, you know, tranche of money is coming from. You have to, especially in deep tech, you have to take a technology and de-risk it. That means there's a lot of lab work, there's a lot of prototyping, and these things are expensive. You know, it's not like um, it's very different from uh you know a, a an internet startup where you really just need a computer and a hoodie and you know some coffee and you can work for a couple of months and make it work. This one, sometimes you have to use very, very sophisticated equipment. That equipment can be very expensive, or access to it, if you can't buy it, will be expensive. So I think the thing that's occupied the most time for me has been making sure that we had enough money for our team and then making sure we had the right team members to build the company.
0: And how big is your team?
1: We're only three people right now.
0: And, and that's, uh, that's, that's a lot of miles to feed for a startup with uh, lots of things that have to be done. Um, I really enjoyed talking to you. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we've told ourselves since basically the 1800s is that using environmental heat was an an impossibility. It created things that are called perpetual motion machines of the second kind. And while all of that theory is correct, and we're not overturning any of that, one of the assumptions that underlies that theory isn't true for the systems we're making. And that means that we can open up a completely different way of getting energy and we want to encourage people to think of energy not just as electricity because people are thinking now energy and electricity are the same thing, but they're not. Heat is one of the most important forms of energy and we have access to that energy and it's all around us. So what we're trying to do is to not just encourage people to use a technology that makes that energy available everywhere, but also think that like, there are different ways to get energy than just plugging into a wall. And make sure that they don't forget that. It's really important.
0: We think you're you're on to something and have a, a remarkable future ahead of you.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed talking to you.
0: That's Sanjay Kazdai, president of Kazdai Enterprises, a startup with innovative, sustainable solutions to purify water and cool the home. I'm Robert Colangelo. Thank you for listening to Green Sense and check out our Green Sense Minute every Thursday and Saturday on 105.9 FM WBBM Chicago and visit GreensenseShow.com to learn more about sponsorship opportunities.